Hello and welcome to our first year of Mattress and Stories podcast. I'm your host, Molly Vassabertolucci. I'm a licensed therapist and a maternal mental health specialist. I'm a mother of two on a parenthood learning journey, just like you. On this podcast, I talk with moms about their first year of motherhood and all of the joys, challenges, and surprises that come along with it. We share a lot of information and resources here, but this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a mental health professional. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Thanks for being here with me. Hello and welcome to another episode of our first year. Our guest today is Valerie Probesfeld. Valerie is a nurse practitioner and a mother of three. I loved this conversation with Valerie, where we got to talk about letting go of control in motherhood, or rather the illusion of control, being an imperfect mother, cultivating and practicing self-compassion, and pushing through hard times. And Valerie shared so much wonderful insight, advice, and encouragement for moms. And she paints a beautiful picture of some of those shifts that happen in motherhood and how she's navigated those. I'm excited to share this episode with you. Thanks for being here with me. Valerie, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Thank you so much for having me, Molly. Um, I am so excited to be a guest on your podcast. And so my name is Valerie Propsfeld, and I'm a writer, a nurse practitioner, and a mom of three young children, ages seven, five, and three years old. And um, we moved a few years ago from Texas. We now live in the Chicago suburbs. And I'm originally from Chicago, but my husband's a Texan. So um, we've been kind of navigating the changes up here, and it's, it's been great. We've been enjoying it, and uh, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was like, you've already got the Chicago accent. <laughs> it's already there. So you picked that up. <laughs> well, I have a combination. I say you guys and y'all, and it's like a bizarre like, mix, I would say. <laughs> yeah, two of my kids were born in Texas, and one was born here in the Chicago area. And uh, fun fact, apparently you can put Texas dirt under the soil or under your bed to have like Texas soil being born on. We did not do that, but... <laughs> The nurse did offer us that option. And my husband's like, oh my gosh, can we like FedEx this? Can we get this in time? <laughs> so unfortunately, my third did not. I feel like that is the most Texas thing. Like only Texans would think of that. Like- yes. <laughs> yes, oh, for funny. sure. But yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, we've really, we love Texas. We love it here. So we've had a lot of um, changes, but good changes. I mean, we, um, we've had, um, I think now it's been four years, time flies. So, uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about, uh, you know, my kids and where I, where I am now. Yeah. So thinking back to your, your first kiddo, seven-year-old, mm-hmm. what three words would you use to describe your first year of motherhood? So I would say my first three words are amazement, vigilance, and control. Mm. Mm. And, you know, with amazement, you know, I think as mothers, we're, it's just, I, I was struggling to find the right word because there's so many words. There's so many synonyms that I can use. Amazement, wonder, joy, just, it, it truly is just a beautiful inexplainable. I just don't know if there's words for it. Um, so amazement was the one that, that I'm like, okay, 
that's just when I looked at her and her face, it was just inexplicable, I would say. Um, the vigilance and control are so much easier to say because I know I experienced that so, so much. And unfortunately, a lot of times it would take over that amazement part. And, um, you know, and I think as, as moms, it's, it's so hard to, um, you know, so like with my, when I was pregnant and as a child growing up, I'm a nurse practitioner. So I worked in pediatrics. I studied, I'm so type A, I studied for the motherhood exam. Like I was going to get an A plus in it. So like I very much wanted, I knew I was going to be a different mom than what I experienced growing up. Um, I just, so as much as I could, I wanted to know exactly how I was going to be. I had control over everything. But, you know, unfortunately, within the first 10 minutes of my uh, first child's birth, the control, the illusion of control was ripped away from me because she went to the NICU. They told me that um, she couldn't breathe very well. And I was able to hold her for a second and um, they took her away. So uh, it was just like, wow, this is not, this is not what I expected at all. And, um, and I think as a nurse practitioner, it was hard because I did have a lot of that vigilance, like as a healthcare provider, like, you know, worst case scenarios, like I would, we could be advocates for our children. uh, But at the same time, we're always thinking, okay, I know what, what this could be, what, what issues is there? So I think I was constantly like watching her like a hawk during that time. Um, And it was, it was challenging. Um, But, you know, as the years pass, like I, so she's my oldest. um, I have two others and I feel like I realized through it all that I am, I'm an imperfect mom, but that's okay. You know, I I wanted so much to be a perfect mom, but time and time again, life showed me that I'm imperfect. I yell sometimes. I get frustrated. I worry. I do all of these things, but at the end of the day, I'm an imperfect mom who loves. And that's really like all that matters. And if I continue to just act in love, things that that's that's all I can do and that's all the control that I truly do have so um and I looked up in the dictionary what what is mother you know what is mom and it means to give birth or rise or to care for and protect and and really if you think about it that's what love does like love gives birth love gives rise and cares and protects so to mom and I I write about this and um, you talk about this is it, it's a verb. Like I don't so much in the NICU and in the hospital, people called me mom. They're like, mom, can you do this and this? And my name changed from Valerie to mom, which is a beautiful name. I love it. But at the same time, there's so much to us. And I'd rather think of uh, myself as how can I to mom as opposed to just be my my noun or my title. You do go so quickly from all the things you are straight to mom. And it's yes. such a big shift. And we've talked about on this podcast before <laughs> how I used to think when I first started working with moms, I was like, wow, a lot of the women who are coming in to see me are these type A moms. Like, I just must attract this kind of client. And turns out <laughs> like, all of us <laughs> who are type A struggle because it is like the first time 
in your life where input doesn't equal output. Like it, you can't do X, yes. Y, Z to get the result that you want because it's mm-hmm. so much more nuanced and so much more out of your control. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Amazement, vigilance, and control. You mentioned you wanted to be a different kind of mom. What was the model in your head of motherhood? And what did you think that that first year would be like? So I think the model in my head of a perfect mom was that I wasn't going to um, – that I was, we were, I was going to not yell. I was going to not be frustrated or not worried. I was just going to have all the answers because I was not going to be like how we grew up in our childhood. That, you know, in my mom and dad, like they all, they had, they did the best they could with the tools they had. Um, but I write about that the house that I grew up in like was infected and it wasn't with like a virus or bacteria. It was infected with just worry and frustration and anxiety. And, and that infection is so contagious. Um, you don't even know you're spreading it. You don't even know you're experiencing it sometimes. And um, it passes over generations. Um, and I think once I became a mom and my, my, um, my oldest, she's so verbose. She will tell me, like, if I'm yelling, mom, you're yelling too much. I thought you said you were going to work on this yelling. It's like, okay, I didn't think I was, but I, I'm so glad that she's like telling me that because it's like, I am doing the same thing. I am passing on this infection to the next generation. And not that we, I mean, we all yell, we all get frustrated. Um, but at the same time, I want to try and use different ways of thinking as opposed to the highway of frustration or worry or anxiety. Um, let me try and build back roads in my brain. Let me try to uh, be mindful in the moment or show gratitude or, or compassion. Um, so um, I, I really feel like motherhood has changed me so much and my children teach me more than I feel like I could ever teach them because it's just every day um, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on all of those things and um, and just trying to love more in my life and my children's life and my family's life. Yeah, creating those back roads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a good good way to put it. And we've actually been having a similar conversation in my household of how moms tend to be the emotional center of the household. Like the way that you are feeling really is infectious, mm-hmm. really does spread to the rest of your family. And yeah. And in my family, we've been talking a lot about anger and like when and frustration, which you mentioned, and when and how that feels when one of us, my partner or I, is really frustrated or angry and how the kids pick up on it and how it just kind of like becomes the air we're breathing and how do we shift that? And it sounds like that's been a big part of your journey trying to like clear out that infection and and start mm-hmm. in a, a new way to mom. Absolutely. Yeah. And like with a lot of my background as a nurse practitioner, I used to work in um, neurology. And so I love the brain. And I looked at how is, um, you know, your fear center with yelling and being frustrated or worried, um, the amygdala part of it, um, which is the primitive part of our brains, um, that fight, flight, or freeze response. And it's normal. That's a normal response. We all have it. It's part of living. Um, But if I have a highway all the time, you know, if we're late and I have this highway to 
the fear of what if we're late, as opposed to going to a back road back to my prefrontal cortex or like um, my more human side, the um, the response as opposed to the reaction, I can be like, oh, okay, let me, you know, this, do I really need to be doing that? Kind of like observing it from uh, the outside, you know, as, as an observer, if that makes sense. So I, I work on it every day. <laughs> Oh, no one's perfect. And I feel like, you know, I'm constantly telling my kids, okay, mom's working on it again. (laughs) But uh, with practice, I feel like I'm strengthening those back roads. Um, And that's all we can do is just continue to practice kind of like exercising or, you know, I ran a half marathon last year and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep, keep practicing it every day. Yeah. It's a skill. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. So your baby was in the NICU. And that yes. was not what you expected. All your planning, all your preparing out the window. How did you tell me a little bit about that experience and what was that like for you? Yeah. So um, the NICU was a big stressor for me. I mean, it, it was very much not what I expected. Um, you know, throughout pregnancy, we kind of knew that there may be some issues, but we didn't really know what to expect. But I think that. Um, it was just it, it, all the emotions. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. So I was not able to be with her for the first 24 hours. It was my husband. And then when I first met her, you know, I had all of those feelings of amazement of, oh my gosh, this is my baby. But also at the same time, she's in a hospital bed, like with the monitors that I'm so used to seeing, like on the other side as a provider. But here it is on what was dubbed baby girl. So that was another, like, it wasn't her name. Um, it was baby girl. Um, so you know, baby girl had all these IVs and um, like all these protocols that we were doing, which I understood from like a medical aspect, like, okay, I understand why you're doing this. But at the same time, it just feels so, so different when you're a mom and this is your baby. Um, It reminds me of like when I was in college, I um, was bitten by a German shepherd on a walk one time. And the moment it was very fast. Like it didn't last for very long. Uh, but it, during the time it felt like it lasted for forever. And, um, like all I wanted to do was escape. I wanted to leave the situation and the NICU very much for me felt like that. Um, I want, it was that fight flight or freeze that was kicked in, but on overdrive. And I feel like NICU parents in the NICU, like we do experience some of this trauma. And I am so passionate about like getting that out in the open and, and saying, you know, it is okay to talk about the, because it is traumatic. And um, so for me, it was, I wanted to flee sometimes. Like I wanted to say like, I just want to leave AMA. I just want to go. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to bring my baby home. It was during the holiday season. All I want to do is watch Christmas movies with my baby. And, um, but then sometimes I just wanted to like, I became that, that German shepherd, that dog. Like I wanted to argue. I wanted to defend my baby. Like that was what was important to me, um, obviously. And so that was the only way I felt like I could do it. And other times, like I wanted to just collapse because, the lack of control, like when the doctors would come rounding on baby girl and, you know, here we're going to do X, Y, and Z for all these protocols and we're going to do this and this. Um, it was just, it was challenging. And I think that's where all the vigilance came in to play because it was this, 
okay, I need to be watching her all the time um, and reporting these things. And I think uh, probably that line of me being a provider and being a mom, it it was confusing for the staff too, because they would talk to me sometimes as a nurse practitioner and say all these medical terms and, you know, like, let me be in the rounds and sit in the rounds and talk about all this stuff, which I appreciate they did, but it's just so different. And it's hard to hear as a mom, people talk medically, um, you know, about, about your baby. So um, ever since then, I've been very much an advocate for um, patients and families. Like I, I saw so much on the other side as a provider, but gosh, that window into what it's like to be on that side is just so, so important that I really feel like I, I want to um, help, help families and, um, you know, patients experience, like what are the resources out there? What can we do to bring this out more in the open? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Such a, a unique perspective to be both the mom and, and a provider. And I've heard mm-hmm. NICU moms who are in the medical field say like, I wish I knew less. Like it, yeah. it's, a, it's a stressor to have all this information. And, and that sounds yes. like what's going on with you with the, the vigilance. And mm-hmm. What was it like when your baby got to come home? So it, it was amazing. I mean, I finally was able to watch my Christmas movies with her. Um, I remember the first one was Home Alone. That was like my favorite movie growing up. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me watch Home Alone here. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, it, I tried to live in the moment as much as I could. And that process, it, it, it was challenging because, um, I mean, she's doing so well now. Um, we had procedures from the NICU that we had to do. And I think that was what was hard because I could never stop the vigilance because there was a procedure that we had to do or, or do, um, you know, monitor for something. Or if we have to go, you know, in, we have to make sure that um, she isn't sick or anything like that. So you can't take her anywhere um, for a certain amount of weeks because of that. and. I think that that's really when I had to, I think, um, face my control issue because giving her to doctors for procedures was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And, um, and I hated how she had to do that, but at the same time, like we, we did learn a lot. Like I learned a lot from uh, the fact that it's almost like comparing it to flying on an airplane. Like sometimes we we have to board the plane to get to that destination and we have to give our trust to the pilot um, or the surgeon and, or, you know, the doctor. We have to give our trust to them. And it is so, so hard sometimes to do that. Um, but if we want to get to that destination, we just have to kind of let go. And um, I think the first time I, I did not want to, I, I remember they gave me a, a buzzing pager, which they sometimes do at restaurants, like the one that like lights up and then buzzes. Um, I just remember walking around the halls, Christmas time. Um, and I remember it was interesting when I was holding that pager, thinking of safety and how, um, thinking of just moments in my childhood that made me feel safe. So like my grandma on Christmas time, like she had, um, you know, ornaments that were similar. Um, she used to have one of those 1970s like oil lamps that would rain, um, like 
And so she was a rain grandma. <laughs> and, um, but I truly do feel like rain grandmas was with me in that moment because I, I needed that. I needed to, um, give my control to someone else, whether that be, you know, rain grandma, who is not, not here anymore. She is, you know, looking down, um, giving my control to God or giving my control to whatever it is that like, I can't, um, um, you know, I can't carry this burden alone. Um, and so I feel like throughout the years, you know, I've worked on that and that's a back road that I continue to work on. And I think that through time and through writing and through, um, those experiences, I've learned, you know, coping mechanisms for that. And sometimes, you know, our bodies produce internal thunderstorms and, um, there, it's just not visible to other people. Um, but it's just as strong, just as damaging sometimes as if like a, a storm causes damage to a town. And when there is so much damage, we do have to essentially like seek help. Um, it, we do have to seek outside help when there's a storm and damage, but also an internal storm. So I think that with my second, um, I did see a, uh, a perinatal counselor. And it was very helpful because that's kind of, I would say my OCD um, started more with my second because I had all these experiences with my first. And I think with my first, it was just so shocking and I was dealing with everything in the moment and just kind of rolling with it. But with my second, it was like, okay, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for it to rain and I'm going to, I need to bring this umbrella with me. It's going to rain and um, don't tell me it's not going to. Like every doctor, like it was, it, it, definitely became an OCD thing because I was just convinced and the rumination and um, I just could not get out of my head. So I remember my counselor had, you know, validated those feelings, but also said, you know, when you get into these loops, just think to yourself, what's the next right thing? And if that's just brushing your teeth, then do that. And then just keep doing that next right thing. Like if that's putting the toothbrush down and then you know, going over to the kitchen to do that, you know, it's just, um, so that was helpful for me. And, um, so I learned, you know, throughout the years, I mean, this was absolutely like a process that took, um, a long time and I'm still working on it, but just labeling thoughts is just thoughts. Like, um, they, they aren't necessarily true. Like thought, a thought is a thought and letting that go down the river of thoughts and, um, so with my third, I felt like you know, it was my third time around. Okay, we'll see how this goes. And I, I feel like, you know, it's uh, every child's different. And um, like we, I think I still had all of those concerns. Uh, but at the same time, I think the coping mechanisms, I knew a little bit better. Um, but then there was COVID. So I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> and all the lockdown stuff and everything. But um but yeah, it's just, uh, so I, I'm just so empowered to help other moms to uh, know that they're not alone because it is so lonely. Like, I feel like I was time traveling all the time. Like, I was either thinking of worst case scenarios um, or I was ruminating on the past. But I can't take my children with me in that time machine. I can't take, you know, Matt, my husband with me in that time machine or anyone else. Like, it's just me. And um, the only place I can meet them is the present. Um, so, so it was just, you know, 
so it's been a journey, but I, uh, I feel like I'm so, I really want to teach other moms, not even teach because like, gosh, I'm learning too. like, just be with other moms as we mom or two mom on our journeys together of living in the present, living in the moment, um, and having that, that village and that community. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. And every time we share our stories, we let other moms know they're not alone. And I think I can relate to so much personally of what you're sharing in my parenthood experience as well with the NICU. And I think that that, that vigilance, especially when you've been a NICU parent, it doesn't leave. Like it's always there. And mm-hmm. I remember really grieving the loss of like an innocence of like a hopefulness. And so similar to what you shared with my second, I was just ready for things to go wrong. And I just felt like, yeah, that hopefulness, that kind of like blind optimism that I had with my first before the NICU stay, before the birth trauma, I just, I, it couldn't, it could never go back to there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you to go back to work? Um. So to be honest, I feel like it changed me as a healthcare provider. Um, mm-hmm. I really, you know, part of it was just the trauma that, of the being um, in the NICU um, that I needed to work through feelings of being in a hospital again. But also I just had a new passion and a new purpose of helping moms and helping families. And I just wanted to do something different, um, which logistically, like I, I wanted to stay with my baby. Um, you know, during the first year we had a lot going on that I felt like I needed to be there. Um, so I gradually returned back to work, um, probably like 18 months afterwards, but it was more preventative care at that point, um, which I really loved, um, doing that, like helping, helping patients, um, with change that they want to experience, whether that be like eating better or, or exercising more, doing those type of things. Um, so I did that a lot, like that prevention. Um, but also I taught, um, but that really, um, I I just didn't feel the same, like I was saying about healthcare. So, um, now I really just want to empower other moms and that may be me you know, returning back to the bedside and doing that at some point, or maybe it's doing something else or writing or, or whatever that might be. Um, but really, um, not necessarily following what it is that like, I feel like we have this preconceived notion as nurses or or whatever profession we're in of, we have to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, we don't necessarily have to always do that. Um, when I, I just need to, you know, just see what, see what happens with time and see what, what I'm called to do, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Shifting ambition. And it can be so destabilizing because you've worked your whole life to get where you are in your career. And then all of a sudden it feels different and yes. there's, it's hard to let go of the path that you, you maybe pictured and it does, it shifts. And I experienced that after my daughter's NICU stay of, I was working in a really high crisis environment and I could not go back to crisis after going through my own crisis. I just could not, I did not have the, 
ability to do that. And so things had to shift for me. And it can be so tough, especially for us type A. Yes. (laughs) But it's ever changing. And as your values and your experiences change, your ambition might look different and your career path and the way you want your life and work to fit together can look so different. Absolutely. Speaking of shifts, how did the idea of self-care shift for you as a parent? Um, I would say that, you know, for me, I really needed to work on my own self-compassion. Uh, I think that you know, being so type A, I, I had all this internal dialogue of, okay, I'm, I may not be doing this right or, or, you know, just being too hard on myself. And I know um, you touch base on that in your episodes as well, which is just so important, I feel like, to say um, it's okay not to be perfect. What makes you feel proud about your first year as a mother? You know, I feel like that's such a great question. I, I really – I never thought about it that way. Like, I don't think I've ever thought of what am I proud of as being a mom. And I think that is like pushing through hard times and pushing through every day. And, you know, at the end of the day, we do our best and we, we love our kids. And, and I, I, I just, I'm so proud of raising these three beautiful humans that I, you know, are going to go out into the world and do amazing things. And I'm proud that I can be their mom. I can be their number one cheerleader and their supporter. And I got through those hard times and we're going to get through anything that we need to get through together as a team. And um, it just really, like, I, I love that mind shift of of thinking about that. I mean, I, I, I want to think about that more of what are we proud of as a family, as a mom? Like, what, we don't. I don't think we give ourselves as moms as much credit as as we deserve. Like we are doing amazing jobs, and it's just we're just entirely too hard on ourselves sometimes. And um, I try to. It reminds me of John Gottman. He's like a, a I believe a marriage uh, researcher. He talks about like the five to one ratio of five positives to to one negative. Um, that we need to give five positives to overcome one negative. Um, so we talk about that with you know, our marriages. Um, sometimes we talk about it with our families as well. But what I feel like I need to work on is that with my self-talk and my self-compassion of every you know negative self-talk I give, I have to give myself those five positives because um, you know I am proud of what I'm doing as a mother. I, I think that we can all do that exercise with ourselves uh, of giving us those, you know, what are five things that we're proud of today and truly thinking about that every day or trying to make that habit or writing it down or whatever helps you think that. Yeah. There's this idea that our brains are like Velcro for negative thoughts and Teflon for positive thoughts. Yes. Uh huh. The negative thoughts are so much more heavy. So I love that idea of just making, cultivating a practice of intentionally letting the positive outweigh the negative and Mm -hmm. identifying the positive things. And there is so much to be proud of. And this is kind of something. I'm seeing more and more on social media and in just like 
the cultural discussion about how parenting is hard. And that's great Mm -hmm. that it's out there because it is hard. And we do want to recognize that, particularly because women's experiences have not been recognized in the past and parenting has not been recognized at work. And Mm -hmm. I think something that's missing from like, this is hard is also, and you're doing it and you're doing a great job. And so when you said like, there's been a lot of hard things, I hope we can teach ourselves to connect to that. And this is what I'm proud of about getting through those hard things. Like they go together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us about the decision to have more kids. So after your experience with your first daughter, what was going on in your brain about wanting to have more kids or some fears about that? Walk us Mm -hmm. through that a little bit. So I always knew that I wanted um, uh, like more than one kid if that's what God wanted for me. Um, So it was something that I knew I was going to do or at least we were going to try again. But um, I think that I was very concerned about the pregnancy and um, postpartum time just with how it went, you know, with my first and can I mentally handle another NICU stay or whatever it might be? Can I do that? Um, And I think that, you know, ultimately I just like, Um, we prayed about it and said like, whatever is meant to be, whatever we're supposed to have, then we will do that. And, um, I remember, um, when I found out I was pregnant with my third, um, remember looking at that positive sign on the pregnancy test and just panicking for a second being like, oh my gosh, there's all this NICU stuff, all, all this stuff that I may have to do again. And it, like thoughts were swirling. And I remember in my bathroom, there's a sign, there still is a sign that um, says to um, have uh, more faith and less worry. And I remember I looked up at that sign at that moment and I was just like, okay, God, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Like I am going to give my control to you. and um, I'm so scared, but I'm just going to take it kind of like how that um, the perinatal counselor said with my second, like, I'm just going to do the next right thing and we're just going to keep on going and we're just going to get through it. And um, so I think that um, that just kind of like how how we, uh, it it was, you know, and then there was COVID and all of that, which was, uh, you know, everyone has their own. (laughs) pandemic story. (laughs) So it's like, I find out I'm pregnant. And I mean, I was later on in the pregnancy when everything locked down, but it was just, actually, that was kind of therapeutic though, too, because, um, you know, that was during the times that we weren't able to have um, our spouse in ultrasound rooms. I remember that. And I I, I don't necessarily care for those just because I with all, you know, the things that I know could go wrong, like I just such heightened alert during them. And I I really do like having that support there. Um, But the doctor, I remember had to call me um, because of COVID, like she couldn't come in. And I just like started crying, like being like, I, everything was fine, but it was just like, like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think it was just with the COVID, all of that just kind of came into this gosh, like we just don't have control over anything. And I just, like, it was just such a, 
don't know, motherhood, I don't remember what, who actually said the quote, but during the pandemic, there was uh, someone who said like motherhood is so much of marching into the unknown. Um, and we just continue to march and in, in the name of love, like we just keep on marching and, and that's all we can do. And I, I think that, you know, that's so beautiful and so unique about motherhood. And um, it's just something that really should be, you know, honored and, and cherished that, you know, we, we, we're so brave and um, we're just, we have such courage and strength. Mm -hmm. What words of encouragement or wisdom do you have for moms who are in it right now? You know, I was thinking a little bit about that as um, my oldest, so the one that was in the NICU, um, she is now in second grade. And I was going through pictures of her first year and as a baby, and I just don't remember as well her baby face. Like, I just don't. Like, I remember, gosh, I remember clearly some of these scary things. And I remember some nice, joyful things too um, and the, how I felt. But seeing that face and her blue eyes and just just those memories that I thought I would clearly remember for the rest of my life, which I do, but they're just, it's different now because I see my, my almost eight-year-old. Like, I see how she is now. And um, so, gosh, I was, like, so emotional that day. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's not a baby anymore. She's becoming this big girl. But it then reminded me, it's almost like, I feel like when you look at pictures, then it, it's, like, to take those pictures. Because now I can look back at that time. And I, it's not as clear. But now it can be clear again. Like, I can create a new pathway in my brain of remembering okay, like it's not as clear, but I keep reminding myself by looking at pictures or looking at photo albums of um, how is this moment? You know, like when we moved from Texas to Chicago, it was so clear because it was so novel. Like we were like, oh my gosh, we're moving in April, it's end of April and it snowed here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what did we get ourselves into? Like it's snowing <laughs> on April 27th. <laughs> so I do clearly remember that, but like the mundane times, like I just don't. And um so taking pictures of them picking dandelions or taking pictures or videos of them throwing leaves into the air or whatever that might be, or in the first year, like, gosh, those little feet and those little hands, um, you'll remember them, but just not as, um, I think not, not as much as time goes on, which is beautiful that they continue to grow and they have, you know, things that every, there's so much at any moment in time to appreciate, but, um, I think, you know, for me, I'm so glad I did take a lot of those pictures and, and videos. Yeah, it's so true. It feels like things will never change and then they change so quickly and it's not the same. It's not yes. the same. I took a lot of photos and videos of my first mm -hmm. and not as many of my second because, you know, it was it was different. And now I can go back and look at those, especially the videos where I'm like, oh, listen to the noises she was making. Like, oh, I remember that. But it's not, you know, it's not as present just in my memory. But when I can hear it and see it, I'm like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. It brings you right back. Yeah. And it really does like blur together their faces. It was like, okay, I, there, there was this baby. Like they all were so cute. And was it this one that did this or this one that did that? So yeah, going back on my phone and being like, okay, yeah, I remember <laughs> that's how, you know, my son like laughed versus my daughter or something like that. Totally. I'm one of six 
and my mom would we'd ask my mom questions like you know what was this like she'd be like I don't remember which one of you it was and I'd be like oh I can't believe that and now I only have two and I'm like yeah I can't remember which one it was <laughs> Those are I know. A blur. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so as your children are growing up what delights you about your children right now Gosh, um, so much. I mean, they are just so much fun. I mean, so my oldest is in second grade. Like I said, I have a, a kindergartner now as well as three-year-old. And like just the other day, just like the mundane moments, and I don't know if mundane is the right word, but like just the little moments. So like we all got matching pajamas um, and it was just so fun. Like I got matching pajamas with them and like, just to like, I don't know. It's so, I never really thought like I would I guess, be like doing some color coordinating thing like that. Um, but just, it felt like, I don't know, just living in the moment like that and laughing together and, and giggling together about just such silly things. Like there's all, it's never a dull moment. And and I just, I love that. I mean, it's such chaos, but there's such love in the chaos. And, um, you know, uh, with my oldest, she is just growing into such a beautiful, wonderful, smart girl. And my, my son, who's just so, so amazingly talented with climbing things and jumping on things and just being a boy, but, you know, living in the moment with him, having building things and just seeing how his mind's working. And my younger daughter, who's just, she's just the sweetest little girl. And, um, you know, the way she hugs me is just the way they all hug, you know, it's, I, um, there's nothing like being a mom and, that's what I try to remember when I get frustrated. And because um, we all do, we all yell, we all get frustrated, we all worry. But at the end of the day, we like, I just want to hug them more. I just want to be with them more. And I just want to, to act in love because that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, so, so yeah, so just so much delight that I just have to uh, remember that every day of what delights me today. Maybe I'll have to ask myself that too. Like what today, you know, at the end of the day, what did delight me today? So I can kind of like solidify that in my memory and and start doing that more and thinking more of those positive times. Well, Valerie, I just, I hear so much of your amazement and love and delighting in the moment while bravely marching forward into the unknown as a parent. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Where can people find you to connect? Yeah, thank you so much, Molly. I really enjoyed our time together. Um, so you can find me on my website, which is to mom is to love.com. And as well as on my uh, social media, it's uh, Valerie underscore Propsfeld. Um, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so I'd love to um, chat. I have a podcast and blogs and all of that and just want to encourage other moms. Well, thank you. I know people will be wanting to learn a lot more from you just from what you shared today is so, so beautiful and powerful. So thank you again. Thank you so much.